Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 58. Is it? I have no idea. I have no idea. I just it's plucked num- numbers out of my head now. Yeah, must have been like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 58. It's a high number. Ever closer to 60. Oh, so close. I know. We can retire. About 20 years ago, maybe, yeah. <laughs> what is the retirement age now? Just death. Oh, 106 or something like that, I think. So. Oh, but soon, someday, someday, you and I will be sitting on a porch somewhere fanning ourselves, having a lemonade. I'm nowhere near 106. Mm, you're only two years behind me. Because <laughs> you're 104. <laughs> I know, yes. I'm quite the prize. The monkey glands are working. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. Yay! I can't complain. I've got a drink. Need a drink. <laughs> Needed a drink. I got in the house about 15 minutes ago. Right. And the first thing I did was very disappointingly discovered I only had one ice cube left. Fuck. And I've got to make the cocktail. So I thought, oh, I can't have a bloody gin and tonic because I haven't got any other ice. <gasps> then I realised I had some hypothetical cans of stuff in the fridge. I love a hypothetical can. Is it well, there? Is it not? One of which is, I think I've never heard of before. Okay. Is an alcoholic seltzer, which is apparently a thing now. A hard um, seltzer. Yes, I have seltzer. heard of these things. It's a can of hard seltzer, which came... To you in a by... dream. <laughs> See, this is a long story <laughs> from a very exciting point. It was my birthday a couple of months ago. Um, and my father very kindly sent me some gin. And they had thrown in a random can of hard seltzer in this thing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And put it in the fridge and completely forgotten about it. Until today, I went, oh, I've got some alcoholic sparkling water. <laughs> which is always what Because I'm desperate for a drink. <laughs> So then I put a load of gin in that as well, and I'm fine. Well, the, the gin is helping, I'm sensing. Well, so I'm not generally a sparkly water person. I'm not a, generally a, a fan of the sparkling Oh, no, I like a sparkling water. Nice sparkling water. Oh, it's good. A treat. A treat every now and then. I mean... That's all right. It's all right. It will very much do, it's won't doing, it? It's, 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 doing the, it's doing the trick. After the day I've had, it's like, oh, fucking hell, I don't care what it is. You should do their branding. 
<laughs> hard seltzer. It'll do. It'll do. Okay, what the fuck it is? It'll do. If you've had a day, <laughs> this will do. Hard seltzers are a, are a big thing now. You got like a hard was it coke and bush or coke and bush? I have no idea. Butcher, whatever that is, the the special stuff that's good for your stomach, which is a, kombucha. Kombucha. That not yes, coke that. and bush. I don't know what it is. I'm not hip. I'm not with that's it. That's sort of like an '80s jolly party, isn't it? Surely it does. Coke and coke bush. And bush. Da, 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 da. Come to the coke and bush. I've also found because of my alcoholic nature um <laughs> a ms mojito in a can Ooh. that i also got from the fridge in case i got through the hard seltzer really quickly and i need another drink <laughs> so two cocktails today two cocktails you're gonna get today <laughs> well speaking of two cocktails and hard seltzers and things that you find at the back of the fridge i think it's time for us to thank our lovely patreon subscribers thank you darlings thank you to jessica maricelli to natalie evans aiden tate michelle mackie to face sussex and to sharon durrant Thank you all. You're marvellous. You're very, very sexy. We hope you pronounce your names right. And we hope you're having a lovely week and a sensational mm. month and a so-so year. There's been some good ones on Patreon recently. Good episodes and lots of banter in the comments and stuff like that on Patreon. Oh, so. yes. It was good. We, we got into discussions this week. Yeah, we uh, I like it. Had a chemist weighing in this week as well. One of our darling chemists. Today, you're entirely wrong. <laughs> it, bloody cold gas does produce hydrogen. I don't know. I need chemists to come on there to say, Sinead, shh, shh, don't do it. You just and, made and up please stuff. do, please do. I mean, it's mostly lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. Anything Sinead said is lies. It's drunker, it's weirder, and it's lies. Yay! So come and join us on Patreon if you want to for but <laughs> $5 a month. Or you can pay for a yearly subscription and force us to work for you for a year. <laughs> Any poisonings this week, Nick? Uh, I've been so busy I wouldn't have noticed, to be honest. <laughs> that that can of hard seltzer could have been poisoned and could have been left for you with someone going, ha ha ha, he'll never... Oh, God, right, he's just drinking that. Yeah, okay. potentially. Yeah. <laughs> could be. So if I go suddenly, very suddenly, then that's what it is. Uh, or you're just enraptured by the story. Let's go with a poison option. Wow, okay. <laughs> I feel that was a bit harsh. Do you want the knife back or shall I leave it in my heart? Love you. Well, Nick, are you ready? Ooh, yes. To drink cocktails and talk about poison? I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> oh, or I apparently could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's go with the first one. Let's go with the first one because I fear it is cocktail time. You've already started. I'm, way I'm ahead, in yeah. desperate need of a drink. What a week I've had. I won't tell you why, but you know, people died. No, they didn't. No, they really didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> That's an unnecessary uh, aside. <laughs> <laughs> the lies. You know, all of my asides are unnecessary. <laughs> when oh, well. I don't think them through, there's a, there's a common theme in the show, as everyone knows. There's a moment where you can hear me going, the inner monologue going, Sinead, stop talking, stop talking. Yes. No, you're going to a dark path. No one wants to go down there. Come out of the well. <laughs> well, it's my story this week. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But as we've established, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly even attempt to talk about a story without a cocktail in hand. Hooray! Oh. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. My secret ingredient <laughs> this week is... Yes, Sinead, what is it? Duck! Duck! A fine ingredient if ever there was one. Um, yes, it is. Not <laughs> it's an traditionally used in beverage making, it has to be oh, said. Oh, you do not go to the right parties. Oh, apparently not. Apparently not. Thank you to everyone who, who weighed in on the uh, secret ingredients post. And I can reassure, reassure that we have not killed the fancy duck of Canterbury. <laughs> it's not that guy. He, I mean, he knows what he did, you know. I also think... Everyone knows what you did in trying to steal his fancy hat. Yes, so. he must be silenced. No, it's not the fancy duck of Canterbury, but lots of suggestions and ideas and <laughs> puns from people. Absolutely quacking puns out there. 
Really? Really? You went there? Oh, yeah. There are people sitting out at home, swilling a brandy in a smoking jacket, going, <laughs> quacking, most good. No, there aren't. No one's ever done that. <laughs> All right, I work with our fans. They're sitting wearing a bad mismatched jacket in the bath while crying, drinking pachin, going, it's very good. That's you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with Duck, Nick, as the ingredient of the week, master mixologist that you are, what have you come up with? Well... Well, I mean, there well. are there are a few weird ones out there, and some people on the social mentioned a few that I came across. There's the there's Fluffy Duck, yes. which is um, an advocar and things based, but I have a mm. abhorrent since childhood aversion to Advocat, so um, it's oh, really? never going to appear in any of the cocktails I ever make. I don't think I've ever had Advocat. Yeah, it's like, bleh, just just no. So, we have something different this week. It doesn't actually have duck in it, um, which is upsetting. Oh, I see, I like a bit of duck. I was hoping we I could mean, just pan fry a breast. I love a bit of duck, and I did look into, you know, there's that, <laughs> that, that classic French dish where they cook up a lovely bit of duck, and they take the bones and put them in a big press. Have you seen that? Like oh, a what? canard au... <laughs> Presso canard or whatever it's called but it's basically there's this really fancy bit of kitchen or tableware equipment which is basically like a well, massive they just crush bones in front duck of press you. yeah absolutely so they they cut okay. all the the meat and stuff off the the carcass yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then they put the your carcass in this big it's like a small cider press but it's all silver and yeah. gilt and fancy and table side they wheel it out and crush the bones and all the blood to make the sauce Oh, that I've heard of. Yes. I thought you were just talking about they crush the bones just for fun in front of you. No, just no, no. Some, some horrible macabre lesson. And there's a reason behind it. Um, <laughs> and I thought, ooh, could we make a cocktail of that? But then I looked into buying these things. Duck's blood. They're like 500 quid a pop. So I thought, I'm not going to get one of those. We just get a masonry vice and some cow bones and see what happens. I've, I've got a pillowcase and a hammer. That'll do, surely. <laughs> Is is the pillowcase to put the duck in or for you to wear over your head while you could sneak up on <laughs> the duck? It could be either, really. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, but it's not that. So it's is not it, that. Please? It's not that. Unfortunately, <laughs> we we're having to go something of a of a classic. We're going for an Ida duck cocktail. An Ida duck. It's a cocktail called an Ida duck. Not what I come across before. No, never heard of this. Not ingredients that we have come to love on the podcast. It has to be said. Oh. Not chartreuse. Nothing to do with chartreuse. Okay, okay. So you're you're clear from that one. But we've had cocktails involving these things before, and it's not always gone well. This is particularly highly rated, this particular cocktail. So I thought, okay. let's give it a go. See what happens. It's nothing I've ever heard of before. Love a bit of duck. Oh, it's exciting. Ida duck. Ida is in Ida down or Ida is exactly. in the name? Well, uh, Ida... E-I-D-E-R, which is a uh, species of duck. Oh, is it? Oh, God, I'm learning so much about ducks. That's, that's where Ida Down <laughs> comes from. It's a particular species of duck, which is particularly fluffy for stuffing in pillows and stuff. It's not just Nick's historical facts, it's Nick's duck facts. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I moved on to the natural world. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we mustn't waste any more time. It is time for us to go into our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, an Ida Duck. Ida Duck. Oh, it's resplendent with feathers. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> it is not. I'm excited because I, I've literally no idea what's in this. Nick has ever has well, indeed. delivered me a secret bottle of secret ingredients. And all I did was add a lemon to it. I know there's some lemon in it. It's it's a very pretty hue. It's brown. It's a brown drink. Yeah, it's got a, a brownie, rusty, orangey, orangey, rusty thing going on. We're so good at descriptions, aren't we? I know. We're, we're, we're good at colours. <laughs> I mean, move over, AA girl. <laughs> 
what I, I do have to show you though in honor of the fancy duck um i i have i have made use i don't know if you can see my little um <laughs> oh nick's put a little top hat in it and a cane <laughs> he's got cocktail sticks silver cocktail sticks and they are resplendent with with a, with a top hat and, and some cane oh and a cane. Oh my god, I love them. And then after we've had a few of these cocktails, can we then go and find the fancy duck and try and give him the top hat and cane? Not pierce him with mm. it, obviously, but... <laughs> what, nail it through his head? Yes, yes. You will wear this top hat. <laughs> exactly. It is a very nice colour, so Ida down duck, no idea what's in it, so I'm excited to try it. Mm. And you said mm, it's, it could be... slightly hesitant. Could be a Marmite drink, you're saying. I think so. Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, but let's give it a go. Cheers, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ooh. Oh, that's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's oh, actually... I've got very high. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. That's that's extremely pleasant. Why wouldn't anyone uh, like that? Uh, mm-hmm. No, that's lovely. So I'm, I'm, I know there's an lemon in it. I'm getting a hint of maraschino cherry, perhaps. We're very close, very close. I've gone for a cherry brandy. Oh, in this one rather right. than a maraschino. Okay. The actual recipe calls for a cherry, like a oudouvi, clear cherry liqueur. Isn't that just mar- maraschino? No, because maraschino is made out of a specific type of cherries. Okay. So, which I didn't have, but I did have cherry brandy, which has got oh, okay a colour to it. So normally the, the liqueur you usually use is clear, but this has got a, a brownie colour. So I think ordinarily it's a quite a bit lighter. This drink, yeah. So we have we have a cherry brandy or any sort mm-hmm. of cherry liqueur, cognac. Oh, and uh, lemon, as you as you said, and Grand Marnier. Oh, Grand Marnier, oh. which I bought. I bought a bottle especially for this this cocktail. Grand Marnier versus Cointreau. So Grand Marnier is more heavily cognac-y based. Is is a pretty much an orange oh, cognac. Okay. Is Grand Marnier? Mm. It's actually on the bottle, labelled as like yeah, orange cognac. Whereas Cointreau is very much just a an orange liqueur. Yeah, so Grand Marnier has got more of um, a much probably deeper characteristic and if you like cognac it's not my particular cup of tea i have to say it's, it's not unpleasant but it's cognac is not a drink i would go to i don't have a lot of cognac in the house i think we say this each time that we've had cognac we're not massive cognac drinkers i love a calvados but it's just it's just not one of the, i no. don't know there's whiskies in the world that are that are more interesting <laughs> i find but maybe i'm drinking the wrong kind of cognac people weigh in about decent lovely sipping cognacs but for a brandy cognac based one this is really tasty perfectly perfectly delightful i would have no issue whatsoever ordering seven of these i would have an issue later (laughs) the cherry brandy is a masterstroke on that part because it's really nice it's got the sweetness but with the lemon cuts right through it oh i like that it's just equal parts each three quarters an ounce of each so i really really like that that's charming it's it's not stuff that everyone will have grand marnier is a bit of a weird particular thing to I think it, Grand Marnier is one that you often have in the back of the cupboard True. because people don't know what to do with it and someone has made crepe Suzette at some point or they've been gifted it and then Grand Marnier because it was the staple certain generations will know because of their parents. Absolutely. Like, you must have a bottle of Grand Marnier in the house to cook with. Ah, yes, we shall cook with it and then you've got it and you go, what are you in there? But Grand Marnier is lovely to sip and yeah, and a but cocktail. I mean, if, if you don't have it, then I would still recommend try it with a, a Cointreau or a Triple Sec or something yeah. like that. Is it by all means substitute it for orange liqueur and see what you mm. think and substitute the cherry liqueur for cherry brandy or just cherry juice 
or cherry, cherry. Kool-Aid and to see what happens. Mar- maraschino would be absolutely fine in this. I was just running low on maraschino, so I didn't want to use it. Um, uh, yeah, because <laughs> so. you want to save it for red hooks, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty damn delicious. I can see myself mixing up a couple of those on a Friday night and regretting it when I've made the third <laughs> because mm, it's strong. But, oh, delicious. Wonderful. Surprisingly successful drink. Hooray. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, with our Ida Ducks firmly in hand, Nick, would you like a story? I think we should. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Well, we are going far away for this week's story. I like far away. Far very far. How far do you think we're going? Ooh, at least to Ashford. No one's alive. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Well, I mean, far away. I mean, I'm thinking we're going to be outside of Europe. I'm thinking, are we going eastwards? Uh, in a way, yes. In a way. Okay. Well, you need to go east from here. Yes. It's not directly north, south or west. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, tell me. We are going to Australia. Ooh. We have, yeah, we haven't been there for a while. We haven't, we haven't properly been to Australia. We've danced there. We've had people who've ended up there. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah, but no, we are, we are properly going down under. Nice. Yeah. And we are going to Dell the Dale of Alexander Pierce, mm. an Irishman who would end up in Australia, and the experience would leave a bad taste in his mouth. So we're still telling the story of someone who ended up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, very much so. Unfortunately, we've we've not covered any story that just starts in Australia with, ah, yeah. oh, the good Australian people. No, 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 no. There are always other countries going, get all these criminals out and continue their murdering ways over there. Indeed, I should tell you all about it. But first of all, Alexander was born in 1790 in County uh, Monaghan in Ireland. He's good Irish Catholic boy, son of a farm labourer. And... Not much is known about his childhood. <laughs> well, uh, son of a farm labourer from 17... Um, I'm not surprised. A boy has been born. Yeah, not entirely surprised. Nothing. Not much is known. <laughs> no. Well, son of a farm labourer. Let's suffice it to say he's not from rich stock. No. He certainly has come from a poor labour-driven background and worked as a labourer himself. We do know that. 
doing menial tasks and odd jobs around. But if work wasn't always available, Alexander could always keep himself afloat with a bit of uh, theft. I mean, absolutely. A little bit of petty crime never hurts anybody. Surely. <clears throat> Surely not. Alexander fell foul of the law a few times until he eventually ended up in court in Armagh in 1819 at the age of 29 for stealing six pairs of shoes. My God, what's he going to do with six pairs of shoes? I don't know. Maybe he was planning to sell them. Maybe he needed shoes for his big dance recital that weekend to dance all of the six dances. There are six dances. Six dances. Um, and you, you have to have different shoes for each of them. Ab- absolutely. But, uh, but whatever he stole the shoes for. Maybe he just liked shoes. Yeah. But he ended up in court and was convicted. Now, Nick, as you alluded to earlier, it's 1819. You've got an Irishman who's stolen some very small items. What is the only possible course of action? Death. 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 <laughs> Hang him. You're not far off. <laughs> the second option around this time. Transportation. Yes, yes. Purely because they've exhausted that method beforehand. <laughs> we run out of rope. We can't hang anyone. <laughs> well, you know what, Nick? It's time for Sinead's history lesson here. Ooh. For around 100 years in Britain, the answer to every criminal problem, ones that couldn't be solved by hanging, was to deport convicts to Australia deportation nothing new to britain around this time tens of thousands of people had already been shipped off to the american colonies in the 1600s and 1700s but the american revolution sort of put a stop to all of that yeah the war was mainly about you know freedom from british rule uh, but a tiny tiny bit of it was probably please stop clogging our shores with your criminals it's getting crowded they're very crabby. But the War of Independence could not, could not have come at a worse possible time for the UK penal system. No, no. Just as we stopped deporting criminals to America, the Britain's population had spiked. And by the 1770s, major cities were completely overcrowded and rife with crime. Mm. These are the days of Gin Lane, you know, the famous Hogarth print. The onset of the Industrial Revolution has resulted in mass poverty and deprivation and homelessness for a lot of people. So petty crime was rampant. (laughs) And as a result, the jails were full to bursting. This is also the time of the floating jails as well. I was going to say, yeah, the prison like junks that they had in the Thames and stuff. Just cram all these people into these decrepit old warships and things. Yes, just so, warships in the tent, teetering back and, and forth. And uh, no one's going to miss them. Nobody cares. <laughs> so deportation to America is out the window. And up until then, there had been another solution that also wasn't working out so well. Hang everyone. Yep. Literally, whoever comes to court. Do you know about the bloody code? No. In short, it was the name later given around this time period, to the sheer number of offences, big and small, that could result in the death penalty. And the bloody code around this period was so called because, yes, you have your major crimes, but there were a lot of petty crimes that resulted in just hang them, hang them, hang them, hang them. You could be hanged for pretty much any theft because the rich were very determined to protect property. It was all about destruction and protection of property. So, yes, you could be hanged for murder, rape, piracy treason forgery and fraud but you could also be hanged for cutting down a tree that wasn't yours or stealing a rabbit from a warren (laughs) 
That's just how people dealt with any kind of theft. Luckily, by the late 1700s, the courts were themselves getting quite uncomfortable with just how many people were being hanged for minor offences to the point where certain courts were, were underestimating the values of goods that people had been said to steal. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I think the limit was five shillings or 12 shillings in some cases. And they were like, what did you steal? I stole a, a credenza. So <laughs> you stole a bag of beans. Sp- please just go with me on this one. It is too depressing. It's it's interesting how it all eventually comes down to some monetary value. It's not like a a moral standpoint or anything. You stole this injured person's crutches. They're not worth anything. Ah, you're fine. But you stole this rich person's handkerchief. Death! Death to you! (laughs) (laughs) Poverty and deprivation at the time. Oh, fuck them. Never mind. But my thing. They'll steal my precious things. We must stop them all. We like the shiny things. We like the shiny things. But the jails are full. So they need another solution. So what a stroke of luck it is that James Cook had travelled to and claimed a nice big chunk of East Australia. Yes. Or British. Yeah. Isn't that lucky? Through the use of flags. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's okay we've got another lad please we don't want you here no shush do we have do a flag you, do you have a flag no flag, no, flag no country <laughs> oh it's a lovely climate so tada why clog up the uk jails when you can just ship all of your worries off to another continent absolutely so in 1819 alexander pierce he is sentenced to seven years transportation on tasmania by this time it started off in new south wales new south wales now has a lot more law-abiding colonists um it's a lovely part of the world and they've all gone oh no we quite like it here could you put the crims somewhere else please to a slightly smaller island yes just (laughs) just put them on an island over there oh there's an island over there so arriving on tasmania for his new life alexander with the other workmates would have been put to work as a well a farm laborer or a land laborer once again in the colony Tending to the land in this bright new climate, uh, they would have done things like logging work as well, sort of, you know, controlling the forestation out there. This is a land of very rugged, beautiful, but wild terrain and rainforest as well. So he's only a petty criminal. So probably he wasn't high on the watch list amongst the the thousands of others (laughs) who were there just going, what are we doing here? He was out there fighting devils. They live in Tasmania. How long have you been waiting to say that since it's in Tasmania? <laughs> I can get it in somewhere. I can get it in somewhere. Yeah. I love the Tasmanian devil. He's just my spirit animal. That's remarkable. Now you say that, I can see that. Actually, I really can. So, this just... whirling crazy thing. Whirling just... crazy, just gibberish. <laughs> just eats everything in sight and then just spins off somewhere else. Mischievous and, a- and angry. Oh, I can is. really see that. <laughs> I love him. Anyway, Tasmanian devils aside, after he'd conquered, killed him, killed him off, he was soon, Alexander was soon up to his old tricks, committing petty crimes once again and trying to sneak away from his captors. Because when you're in the colony, you will obviously work the land. You will sometimes get commissions from private citizens. You you just basically do labour and labour and labour and then you've got a curfew to go back to. So um, his first offence in Australia, stealing ducks. Ah. Ah. and some turkeys oh add that in and some turkeys it was ducks and turkeys there we are mainly ducks i think it was lots of ducks and one turkey that got confused (laughs) i'm not sure what he was going to do with them maybe making an excellent two bird roast (laughs) absolutely but he he ended up working his way up to forging a work order and would eventually abscond from the colony scandal a ten dollar reward was offered for his capture ten dollars my god and there was a notice printed in the hobart town gazette reading pierce a convict number 102 charged with uh, divers misdemeanors uh, is five foot three and a quarter inches that's quite okay. short 
Brown hair, hazel eyes, age 30 years, a labourer, and is pock-pitted. Nice. That's nice. Just throw that in there. Yeah. How bad must it have been to say he's just covered in acne scars? Covered covered in pox. Pock-pitted, it's quite hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, you know, amazing description that was put out in the press, Pierce was caught. And this time he is sent to the dread Macquarie Harbour. I hope I'm pronouncing that right which is where many fleeing deportees were sent for trying to escape. It was known for its brutal punishments and harsh conditions. Um, you've got to picture it a little bit like, I, I don't know, you can picture any film, any any film with a prison on some high rocks and crashing waves around it and then just wilderness behind. See, now I'm just going like The Rock and like Nicolas Cage <laughs> is running around the place. And there are some missiles and it's very exciting. Think of the rock on three sides and then just wilderness behind on the fourth side. It's not quite an island. But the harbour itself, it was known for being inescapable because of the horrible terrain around it. Much like the rock. Much like the rock. When I was reading it, all that was going through my head was the rock. (laughs) rock. And Shutter Island. Yes, there is that too. (laughs) That that too, that too. (laughs) It was so treacherous, apparently, that ships carrying convicts to the harbour were wrecked on the rocks before they had a chance to get there. So that's one way to deal with them. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit dramatic. So let's go fill a boat full of convicts, yeah. sail the boat to within about 20 foot of where they need to be, and then crash it on some rocks. I don't think they intentionally did. It was just really but if difficult they knew, to get If they to. knew it was happening, it's only <laughs> got to happen like two or three times before you think... Oh, this is a bit tricky. Yeah, um, <laughs> come by land. Come by land. Well, that's it. It's just so cut off. It's a great place for the convicts because they can't escape and they are meted out very, you know, very tough punishment. But Pierce was determined to get away. It was while he was working with seven other men on the east side of the island. These men, Alexander Dalton, Thomas Bodenham, William Kernley, Matthew Travers, Edward Brown and Robert Greenhill and John Mather. They were tasked with cutting back trees. Mm. The tree logging, cutting back big, big, big pine trees, which meant they had the use of an axe. And they thought, hmm, this gives us an idea. We like axes. While they're working on this side of the island, they flee. They decide to make a run for it. They've made a plan. They go. I just imagine their escape is that they looked at the axe and went, oh, we have one of these, and ran off waving their arms into the wilderness. La, 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 la. That's how these things work. Absolutely. Exactly. That's how everyone escapes. But they make their escape. Now, Robert Greenhill, who's amongst them, is an ex-sailor. And he sort of becomes the de facto leader of the group. And he has a plan. He has a plan. They're going to steal a boat so they could sail for China. Okay. Well, that's not, not an obvious choice of destination yeah yeah i I don't think he really understood where he was but and also quite a distance yeah yeah they're gonna steal they're gonna steal a whaling boat they're gonna go for china or another island maybe nearby i I would have gone for like new zealand maybe i don't even know if they know that new zealand is there that's quite a nice place um it's it's certainly closer (laughs) they go i hear the lord of the rings films are going to start being made this (laughs) they haven't been written yet what are they i I don't know but it's going to be very special not sure they would got an overly warm welcome in china but not so much we're <laughs> no. convicts welcome us in <laughs> we just got over the opium wars we don't want you here no, no englishman generally were, were welcome anywhere at this sort of time because they had a habit of putting flags down ah, i don't know it's <laughs> harsh I, I, i'm saying this with a bunch of irish convicts who were just cutting their way through the wilderness none of us are exactly the king in this story <laughs> but he's got this plan they're going to steal a boat regardless of where he's planning to go the plan does not work out because he finds that the boats are all very well guarded around this massive prison colony surprise 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 
So they cannot cross the water. They're going to have to brave the wilderness surrounding them instead. Ooh, so the devils. seven men head off into the wilds of the Tasmanian bush, following the Tasmanian devil as he's spinning. Yeah. There was a description of this area as well. The area around the harbour is valued because of its isolation and protected as one of the most spectacular wildernesses on Earth. It's a land of cool, temperate rainforests, the most extensive remnant of the extraordinary vegetation of the great southern subcontinent Gondwana. The forests are of myrtle beach, celery top, pine trees, ancient conifers and mountainous regions. You're going to have to climb pretty damn high. See, now I'm thinking there's like dinosaurs going on. There might well like be. This is T-Rexes massive. T-Rexes wandering around. And... Yeah. Think Kong Island. Yeah, exactly. There's King Kong. Yeah. And also, this is Australia. Everything in the outback is going to kill you. That's very true. Everything. The trees, the ground, the yep. insects, the birds, people. All trying to kill you. Yeah. And these are men who have varying degrees of skills when it comes to outdoor survival in that they had none. Yeah, I mean, so this is like an Irish farm labourer. I think he's probably not sort of experienced to deal with like spiders, like 12 foot spiders and... <laughs> And T-Rexes, according to you. And T-Rexes and and snakes that bite your leg off and Mm. all this sort of stuff, which is common in Australia. Exactly, yes. Surrounding areas. That aside, just the terrain, the immense heat, the trees that give you that, you're going to have a canopy of trees that you can't even see through. You're going to be wading through weeds that are razor sharp and are going to knock round your legs. You're going to be trekking through mud. You're going to be climbing huge distances in humid heat that you've never encountered in Ireland. So yeah, it's aside from all the animals in there that will kill you it's just it's not going to be a happy time and people go there on holiday they do these guys also don't have any equipment or any of the appropriate clothing they're just in like their striped pajamas they surely. are but he's got his six pairs of shoes that he stole so. i don't think they let you keep the stuff you've stolen oh i have to say i think that's a, that's a, a common thread you'll find throughout legal proceedings <laughs> he agreed <laughs> to be taken to australia if he could keep his high heels yeah so i like that so i like i think that's good okay you've stolen five billion pounds we're gonna send you to jail for 20 ways but you can keep the five billion pounds well done you'll have learned your lesson i mean to be fair he was very wily in how he stole them i think that okay i'll go to jail (laughs) (laughs) i get to keep my five billion pounds well they don't have five billion pounds and if they have the shoes they're of no use to them out they go they are going into a terrain they've never experienced before and what would happen out there would later be retold by the only survivor of the seven men alexander pierce Ooh, did he kill them all the group go off into the wilderness. What we know from later testimony is that they last around two weeks, anywhere between eight days and 15 days of walking, eating whatever they can find, sourcing drinking water. But as the 15th day arrived, they realised that they could not possibly survive any longer. Food must have been so scarce as to have been non-existent by then. I mean, I mean, two weeks, I think it's still that good. I would have lasted 20 minutes. <laughs> you don't <laughs> so, last well in a hot room. I, I don't, exactly. <laughs> if the radiator's on too high, I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> I've seen you outside with the sun shines on your face. You're like, I can't, I can't, no. You need to have a lie down and a nap. <laughs> Kill me now. It's, it's not worth it. I can't go on. <laughs> no, well, good for them. Two weeks. Well Two done, weeks, you guys. so they say. So it is said. But as they get to this point, they decide there's only one course of action. One of them is going to have to die so the others can live. Well, that's a dramatic choice to make. The group decided, or perhaps it was leader Greenhill decided for them, being the only man who has the axe, or maybe it is Pierce himself who is trying to change the story as it goes along. They decide between them, in inverted commas, they will draw lots 
to choose the first victim. Man with the axe has a lot of say in this, I feel. Mm. (laughs) So the short straw was reportedly drawn by Alexander Dalton, and he was instantly struck across the head with the axe. For, For what purpose? So the men could disembowel him take out the organs to actually to to eat slice up the meat boil the organs over the fire and then chew on the delicious meat between them (laughs) you you've described it so poetically um (laughs) dalton who had been one of the volunteer prisoners back in the harbor who had dealt out lashings to other prisoners who had broken the rules oh well Yes, I find it very unlikely it was just him who happened to draw the short straw. Less than popular with the other prisoners. Mm. So whether Dalton agreed to this arrangement or perhaps being killed without volunteering for that particular duty, we do not know. But still, there was fresh meat on the menu, boys, and the men all <laughs> dined. Oh, oh. How long do you wait to resort to cannibalism? I mean, surely, I mean, you're walking through jungle. There can't be no living creatures. I mean, there must be some, there's wildlife. There's the very least like tree roots and stuff and and bugs and (laughs) kangaroos and (laughs) T-Rexes and stuff like that leaping around the place. It's a a strange image that you have of Australia, isn't it? (laughs) That you would go to that you would go to first rather than either they're being extra cautious. But still, there's seven of them, the still same seven allegedly who've set out have gotten Mm. to this point before deciding we must we must kill to survive. We must kill the chap we don't like. to survive. Well, the next day we do know that the group splits. At least two men, Edward Brown and William Kernley, flee, either terrified of what they'd seen or terrified of what mm-hmm. they'd done, or perhaps wisely realising that one of them could be next. Well, mm. yeah. The men would make it back to the Harbour Colony, but they later died from exhaustion. <laughs> so they, they made it back and were hung as punishment. <laughs> well, they, they died from exhaustion. It's said there are theories that maybe they died receiving their punishment for escaping. Mm. But they did definitely get back. At this point, uh, a third man, Thomas Bodenham, he also disappeared. There was confusion over the testimony received later about whether he was killed by the group next, whether he was the next person selected, whether he was the first victim or the second, or whether he just disappeared into the bush trying to escape them. But either way, we are left with Greenhill, Travers, Mather and Alexander Pierce trudging through the bush. As you can imagine, these men are walking through the wilderness. They are thinking about their next meal. They've had a good feed of protein. Who might be next? Who should they side with as well? Oh, yeah. Greenhill has the axe. So perhaps partner up with him and plan who might be the best amongst the others to choose to go. Or do you side with your friends, the people that you've made bonds with? As it happens, it appears that Mather was the next man who would meet the end of the axe. He was killed and the men feasted again. I say that, that that's a very short time period between murderings. If it's purely for a survival situation, mm. you thought you're not going to eat a whole person in a couple of days. Well, you can't preserve it, though, can you? But you could cook it. If you, if, if, okay, they, if you did are cook, so they did inc- cook at the start. Yes, yeah, so you cook it up. But then even cooked meat is going to last a bit longer. Than, and you would have something in your pack or whatever. It's interesting to think how long it 
comes from a point of desperation. It's like, if we don't eat now, we're literally going to fall down and die. Therefore, this has to happen. Or, oh no, it's two o'clock on a Tuesday. It's time for you to die. <laughs> Tea, second breakfast, <laughs> yeah, exactly. please. Exactly, it's time for second breakfast. Off with your leg. Again, this time period, it's not so long. Uh, you could probably assume that it's maybe a week or two weeks after the first murder is killed. Oh, okay, well that's... It could be as little as a day or two days. So Mather is dead. They have killed two men and eaten them. But next, they had a bit of luck. Travers, who was drinking from a river, they found a water source, was bitten on the foot by a tiger snake. Okay. One of the deadliest snakes in Australia. Nice, deadly, deadly animals. Pierce claims he was deeply upset by his friend's injury and the group carried him for five days until Travers begged them to put him out of his misery and they struck him with the axe as he slept. I mean, that seems... Again, I'm I'm confused because... They don't seem to have any hesitation about just axing other people. But Mm. then to carry someone for five days is a lot of effort. It's a lot of work. A tiger snake's bite is famously very deadly. It should kill you within a day Mm. at the most. It should, it should not, you should not last five days. So was Pierce making up a sob story to cover up the real motive Mm. for Travers' death, hunger? Or maybe, by a stroke of luck, he really did fend off the snake venom for that long and the group carried him along for five days thinking, it's okay, he'll die and we won't have to kill him. Come on, come on. Oh my God. I mean, I suppose you've got to think these people are not the, probably the most well-nourished and from their prison life, but they're, they're probably really fit for the manual labour. But Well, they don't know where they are. They're wandering through. But Travers was dispatched with an axe and the men this time ate his flesh and innards raw. Oh God. Didn't even bother. Make a fire for fun. Now that is just, they, they get, <laughs> the taste for it now mm. rather than this is this is no longer a matter of desperation this is like oh i quite fancy that it's like me and m&ms so. <laughs> you're always just like oh just a couple just a couple yeah, pretty much and then you have to go out to the shop for more and if you can't find them you start flipping magazine racks open but that you, you've nailed something there that the, that's the problem with human flesh it's all protein You've mm. got to have some carbs. Ah. Protein is, is great if you want to stay, ah, yeah, burst of energy and everything and staying fit. But, uh, you need some carbs if you really want to keep hunger at bay for that long. But now, now, you can imagine the tension really ramps up because it's just Greenhill who has the axe and Alexander Pierce left. I mean, it's good he's managed to keep hold of the axe throughout all of this. Yeah. He's managed to, he's not put it down and someone's gone, oh, I'll have that. Or even while he slept, he's like, going, oh, he's grabbing, he's holding it while he sleeps. Allegedly so. He keeps the axe close to him. The two men clearly aren't crazy enough to fight a start there and then, but they trudge on after days and days watching each other, afraid to sleep, pretending to sleep in front of each other in case the other one grabs the axe and does away with the other man. But eventually, Greenhill could not resist sleep anymore. And as he closed his eyes one night, Pierce seized the axe and buried it in his companion's skull. So now it's just Pierce. It's just Pierce. He was making his way through the wilderness. And miraculously, he makes it out Mm. after two months. They've been in there two months in total. Right. What'll be interesting to know is how long after the last axing, how long it took between that point and getting out yeah that that would be an interesting we don't know because we have one man's testimony that all of this happened over this amount of time but he gets out and he finds himself at a sheep station he sees sheep and he sees he knows he's reached civilization uh the joy that must have washed over him at seeing civilization he ran to the fields and immediately grabbed a lamb and started eating it 
Oh. Yeah, he's, he's eating the lamb. This is where a shepherd found him, uh, gnawing yeah. on small animals in his field. Uh, but luckily, he knew the shepherd. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, they're old friends. They're old friends. Oh, help yourself. Have another lamb. There's a cow over there. Have a nibble. Now, I mean, this is not for lack of... I mean, making... I, I must admit, I have never tried <laughs> this to This is make... really troubling you, isn't no, it? <laughs> I must, I've, I've never tried to make a fire like by like rubbing twigs together or anything like that. Mm. I've not tried. I don't know how difficult it is. It could be the most impossible thing in the world. But <laughs> I can't believe it's beyond the realms of possibility for him to make some sort of fire. <laughs> In all, in the past two months, they're surrounded by trees and brush and plants and stuff. The first two men who died, or certainly the first one, they made a fire. They right. they boiled the innards, yes. they stripped the meat, they cooked it. As they went on and on, they got more and more desperate and they were just eating them raw. Just raw flesh, just whatever it took to get so desperate and crazed with hunger apparently mm. they just were eating and devouring it mm. now this shepherd introduces pierce to the local group of sheep rustlers and bush rangers because right. they're all baits oh yeah get in with that uh, pierce happily spends a few weeks working alongside the sheep rustlers stealing and doing god knows what else in the farmlands of tasmania ah he's found his freedom mm. but how do we know pierce's story well of course he is recaptured yeah he is recaptured but there is more to the tale because up until now, this could just be a simple story of survival, mm. survival of the fittest. His bush raging friends were captured and they were hanged, but the authorities realised who Pierce was and they were going to send him back to the harbour. Before he left, Pierce made his confession to the prison chaplain. He said how each of the men that he had originally escaped with had died in the wilderness and been eaten by the group and by himself. Okay. And the story is so fantastic that the priest doesn't believe him. Okay. It's noted and passed on. He must be lying. No doubt the others are running in the wilds of mm. Tasmania. They have joined similar sheep-stealing rings. And set in leg irons, Pierce is returned to the harbour, facing a lifetime of punishment and back-breaking labour. And it's while he's incarcerated again that he meets another inmate, 17-year-old Thomas Cox, who probably has noticed his leg irons that has been set in. You put in leg irons, if you've escaped once, it stops you from running mm -hmm. away. If you see someone with leg irons, there's a little bit of grudging respect there going, oh, you've escaped once. Yeah. Ah. So this 17-year-old who is determined to escape befriends Pierce and he's trying to convince him, I have a plan, escape with me, we can do it together. Pierce is at first reluctant, but after dose after dose of punishment from the guards, he finally agrees, and the pair manage to escape again while on a foraging expedition. This Why? inescapable prison well, is shit. Is, but then, I don't know, you say that, but it's inescapable. Where the fuck are you going to go? I don't know. Desperation? There are there are outposts there. There, are, there is a harbour. They have a plan to cross the mountains, to get to another harbour, to steal a ship. They, they have a plan to get away. And they do. They escape while on a foraging expedition. And surely that is the end of those two. They are going to roam the wilds and live as free men, okay? They Must live be. happily ever after. They fall deeply in love. It's a very romantic story. Deeply, deeply in love. They form a bond that cannot be broken. Quite right. Eleven days later. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. I spoke too soon. Pierce was captured after being spotted by the King River. Cox is nowhere to be found. He drowned, Pierce simply said. Mm. But a search of Pierce's clothing revealed his supplies, his, his food supplies, and also a chunk of human flesh. Oh. Pierce finally admitted that he had in fact killed Cox 
he led the authorities to his body. And this is from one of the reports. Cox's head and hands had been removed from his body and he had been disemboweled. The flesh had been carved from his flanks, legs and arms. There was a bloody axe nearby, which Pierce admitted was the murder weapon. That's from Kieran Codleaf. Now that's just someone who enjoys doing it. I'm sorry. Yeah. There is no, I did this for survival or anything. That's just, I did it because it was jolly. It's 11 days. Why did he do that? Absolutely not. That's because he wanted and enjoyed it. Ah, bastard. Pierce later claimed that he had killed Cox in a fit of rage on learning the boy couldn't swim. Oh, bollocks. They had this grand plan for an escape route away from the danger zone. But when he found out he couldn't swim, he killed him. He then said that he had stripped the boy's flesh. As you do. With the intention of eating him or not, I don't know. But then later changed his mind and thrown all the flesh in the river. And he carried the piece of flesh with him in his pocket to remind him of his crime. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Pierce would go back on his statement once he was charged with murder, claiming that he had only killed Cox in an argument and he was only guilty of manslaughter and he hadn't done anything with the flesh. (laughs) Shut up, shut up, shut up. But the court were not convinced. They had heard the stories of his confession when he had first been captured to the prison chaplain way back when. They found him guilty of murder of Thomas Cox and that meant he would be sentenced to death. Good, I say. Alexander Pierce was hanged at Hobart Jail on the 19th of July 1824 and his final words were damn he was tasty man's flesh is delicious oh (laughs) it tastes far better than fish or pork Mm. (laughs) his body was donated to science that was the ruling his body must be donated to science for examination and his skull ended up and is still on display at the University of Philadelphia And that is the story of Alexander Pierce. Nice. He is one of the few people that we have covered who's actually made me angry. (laughs) And really, really annoyed. No, you are just an utter bastard. Yeah. And it's it's strange because, I mean, we've done, what, 58 of these now. (laughs) And they are all utter bastards. But for some reason, he is... Mm, he's, he's really gotten to you with, he's he? really really made me angry i've never seen you so angry on this there is a film about alexander pierce that was made with adrian mm. dunbar which i have not seen when i was researching this there were a lot of articles about it there were lots of uh, acclaim about the film and apparently it's very good i've not seen it so i can't comment on, on it but certainly there were some writings about the first part of the story where trekking through the wilderness it felt like survival of the fittest and when you start researching this i was kind of like is this really a murder case is this kind of is this is this real cannibalism but all of the other stuff where it seems no. like this is just all of his hearsay and then later to kill the other guy he's doing it because he enjoys doing it i mean no i yeah mm. it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> mm. well it's a big <laughs> question how long does it yeah. take until you resort to cannibalism but but i'm also what i'm i'm finding really difficult to believe that you're trekking through yes it's an incredibly unforgiving environment i have no doubt um and as i said i wouldn't last 30 seconds <laughs> but but you've got to think there are there are animals there are other animals mm. and birds and insects and vegetation that you can use to sustain yourself if you're going through a rainforest or something like that there must be other sources of nutrition rather than killing the people you're with. 
you would think so if you're a survivalist or if you're a, a, I don't know a, a, a naturist or a naturist is something different I feel naturalist okay if you're naked <laughs> in the every time I was so convinced in my head I'd gotten that right Oh, God, I was like, naturist, that's definitely it. No, naturalists, just stupid they, bitch. They, they came across like a little commune that's of naked people. That's what started it. They were like, oh, naked flesh, hello. <laughs> if you're a Raymere's character <laughs> or if you're Bear Grylls, it's very easy because we've watched the TV programs. Oh, just do this. We've True. all learned basic yeah. survival techniques if you're prepped and if you're mentally prepared for it. If we were just to take the first part of the story in isolation, that these guys have been not been given proper nutrition, they've been subjected to hard labour, they're not mentally in the best state, and then you go out into the wilderness probably thinking, oh, if you're in Ireland or if you're from England, you're just, oh, it's just going to be like going through the New Forest or something. This is Tasmania. This is an island and oh, this is harsh. just terrain you're not, not prepared for at all. And it's exhausting and mentally exhausting. You may break down a lot sooner and resort yes. to crazy tactics and there's lots of reports about people resorting to cannibalism and suddenly getting the hunger however mm. that i can understand and sympathize with we only have alexander pierce's story oh, yes that is that is it's entirely from his his version of events you know you got yeah. alive and the donmar party and everything like that where it, it, it seems like they lasted a hell of a lot longer well I mean, surely that must be the absolute last, even if you are with a bunch of evil criminals, <laughs> it must be the last resort to murder someone who's you've been th all through all this with. Yeah. And to axe them and then dismember them and butcher them up and cook them and eat them. That must yeah. be an absolute stage of desperation that I cannot imagine. Yeah. And to do it five or six times and then another well when he's found and escapes again to do it within a couple of days yeah seems like no this is just someone who enjoys it if it wasn't for the second murder the second murder clearly and to the extent that he disemboweled and cut cut up and carved this person prepared for feasting on when he didn't need to he had food yeah. supplies on him yeah maybe it's folklore maybe this stuff was twisted well, later on and you know i'd say what also is interesting as well i mean considering that what this chap was there for stealing six pairs of shoes yeah if he was sort of a oh yeah he he's there because he's killed half of ireland um <laughs> or he's been murdering his way around the towns and stuff like that and then deported and continued to, but that's a hell of a leap <laughs> To go from I stole six pairs of shoes to I've killed so many people and eaten them yeah. is a bigger. No, I mean, no matter what happens to you, I mean, something pretty drastic has got to happen to you in that incarceration or that period to make that jump. I, it's there's something just so fascinating about this case. Yeah, this this is all. Oh, this is a good one. It's like a, it. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> the most unassuming people you don't know until you put them into pressure situations. What True. they're capable of. The most calm normal yeah maybe they have some trauma in the background you don't you just don't know but it's not always that they've been standing there polishing a scythe all the way through going come children <laughs> come into the woods there was one report that had alexander pierce luring the men purposely on an escape mission into the wilderness to kill yeah. them which is bollocks but you don't know you don't know someone until you've broken up with them they always say that is absolutely true put them under pressure then suddenly the most nasty, crazy stuff comes out of them. Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, I would like to think that, yes, I would never do that to my to anyone. Mm. Um, but until you're in that situation and mm. in that 
you have no idea how you would react in that situation. And yeah, I would like to think I would do. I wouldn't, but I don't know. I can't promise. <laughs> you're protesting so much that makes me think there's part of you that's dreamt of this repeatedly, and you're like, no, <laughs> no. It's, a, it's an interesting thought, though, isn't it? Mm. If you were in that, what would it take that desperate of a situation? If it was, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Mm. What would you do? This is the only possible option yeah. for me to survive. I mean, that's that's it's, a scary thought. We, we all know what we'd say now, sitting here with exactly. our gin and the promise of dinner yeah. later and comfortable, that, no, I would rather die. Yeah. I would rather die than, than, than let anyone else die in my place. If you're starving hungry, uh, your mind plays yeah, tricks on you absolutely. at the best of times. You've been through that absolute hell for God knows how long, for weeks upon weeks of traipsing through this, yeah, yeah this place where everything is designed to kill you if it was our little friendship so you and me emma from real life ghost stories our dear friend ro our expert witness cass and heidi and our husbands if we were out in the wilderness it would be 20 minutes before we started killing each other and eating each other oh god gotcha. no it's like like my blood sugar has dropped a bit low i'm feeling a bit cranky give me your arm so i've run out of gin you had one recently <laughs> let me suck your blood type thing <laughs> That's it. You've got Quinnin. That's really good for mosquitoes. Come on. And you've got Greenhill, who's got the act. There's a great phrase about if you intimidate the leader of a crowd, you intimidate the crowd. But at the same true. time, the leader, if Greenhill is whispering to people, he's got the axe and saying, your man over there, he's weak. He's not going to last out. I think it's just best yeah. if we just draw lots and we'll just rig it. And he can die. And then, you, you, then you're into it. Then you just suddenly start switching to... As, if someone is strong enough to prompt you when you're in a weakened state to say... Hmm, well, then you hmm. get into the whole sort of like cult situation, don't you? Sort of, of that sort of scary leader type thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, ah, oh, this this, is, this has been a good one. I have to... Well, well done, you. Well done. <laughs> I, honestly, when I started this one, I was like, hmm, does this one fit into the canon? Because definitely he killed someone at the end. But then it was all like survival and cannibalism. But ah, ha, 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 ha. Right. You've, you've, <laughs> Clearly, I need more of these pulled for the blinder, Nick. <laughs> absolutely, I have to say. <laughs> so, yes, we should watch the film yes, as well. Um, but that. people... Do you know the story of Alexander Pierce? It is very famous. Australian fans, of Australian fans out there, tell us about this. Is this, what is the folklore around it? But yeah, what do you think? What do you think was going on with the group out in the wilderness? Who was leading it? Who was controlling it? Throw your theories onto the posts that we do on social media for this. Just just, just tap away in the comments. We'll respond to them. We love to see a bit of a debate. Do you think that he was making it up? Oh, yeah. Was he making it up? All lies. Was it all just completely different where he was just carrying human flesh around for two months going with a knapsack on my back? La, la, la. <laughs> it's going to be a bit like sort of like South African biltong sort of thing, isn't it? Just like have a, have a, have a chew. <laughs> oh, he dried he it. He dried it out. Oh, yeah. Have a chew. He could have been living in a cave for ages, like having a great time, having a great time. Did you like the little bit of history about deportation? We love a bit of history. What do you think about deportation and sorry Americans for flooding your shores with criminals and really and, really sorry and Australia Australia <laughs> because yes catch your ass on in <laughs> Simpsons episode there we are yes tell us your theories tell us your thoughts comment on all of our social media posts message us we love to hear from you and the delicious Ida duck yes. I love that cocktail good that was good it's a good one it's a, it was a good one good. it was a solid one I'd say, so the recipe for that will be out on Friday along with the social so do give it a go and so there are some substitutions you can make try it it's a surprisingly tasty beverage and if you haven't already come and join us on patreon for more episodes every week and for more debate check out our merch store if you want to adorn yourself in poisonous cabinet paraphernalia 
And who wouldn't? Have a chat with us on Friday night when you've got the cocktail because Nick is still going to be thinking about this well into the weekend. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Boysner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye. Bye.